You know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. And I'm not the only one because I can see some other heads in the chat booth here bobbing along and rocking and having a good time. I'm looking at you, Rob Washam. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for joining us here on the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games. And if you want to find out more about me and the rest of the wrecking crew here at Rec Poker, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, because uh, it is a village that uh, it takes to run what we do over here. It, uh, it takes a wrecking crew. It takes premium members. It takes sponsors. Uh, the sponsors that we adore are our fans, uh, Mark Prashan at Website Amp, and everyone over at the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And we got a new uh, premium member this week, Joel Barton. I haven't had a chance to meet Joel yet, but Joel, thank you for pledging that $15 a month. Uh, that premium membership helps us out a lot. It lets us do what we do over here. We couldn't do it without your support. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know uh, everyone here at Rec Poker. Um, the real movers and shakers, as I mentioned at the top, are the members of the Wrecking Crew. And uh, like I said, you can go to rec.poker slash crew to find out more about them, or you can just listen up because you'll meet a few of them right here tonight. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5 by 5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. Well, we're going to be joined in just a moment by uh, Alan Kessler. I'm super excited to be talking to the Chainsaw about all things to do with live poker and what's going on in the poker world these days. Um, I just want to mention that uh, if you're here, if you're a regular listener, you know that uh, we do a draw at the end of the show for a prize. You'll have a chance to win um, a prize. I'll get into what the prize is later, but... Um, you're going to do it by entering the words food bank into the chat near the end of the episode. And Joe Coolis, who was a premium member who was watching live last year or last week, offered to match. If anyone wants to make a donation to a food bank in their area, he'll match that donation up to $100. So um, we'll get into more details of that later. But just a shout out to Joe Cool um, for being such a great member and a generally good guy. Speaking of generally good guys, I might even have to bump that up a notch. So, Alan Kessler, first of all, just thank you so much for coming and joining us here on the Rex Local Podcast. No problem. I'm here in uh, Rajvadov for the World Series Europe. I got here a couple days ago. Thank yeah, you. I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. You're great at doing updates uh, when you're playing live, and you you do play live quite a bit. How long have you been over in the wonderful Czech Republic? I got here two days ago. I... I um... I was pretty much exhausted from the travel and uh, they had the wrong time posted on the website. So, Oh no. I thought I already missed the event, but the event actually didn't start until 6 PM. So I oh. actually couldn't play this, but I, I, had, I got completely mixed up. So I missed the first <laughs> event. I played the second event, PLO. I cast in that. Uh, and today was the third event, the mini main. And I lasted 12 levels, which is a pretty long time. Yep. I flopped the nut flush draw against the set and got busted on that. Yeah, I don't think that could go any other way. I saw your tweets. Uh, you had the ace jack of hearts, right? And uh, came. Oh, he had yeah. a he, he had a, a set of nines on the flop, and the flop was nine high with two hearts. I think those chips right. were getting it, in there, but kept around on the flop, and the turn was like an offsuit ten, and nobody looked interested in the pot, so I bet the turn, and the guy with the three nines just flatted. 
and uh, the river was a jack. Mm. So that was like the only car that I can go broke on. It's a jack. Yep. Yep. Because if it comes, I win. If any other, if an ace comes, I, I guess I go uh, go broke also. But sure. But the jack was actually like the worst possible car. So anyway, I checked. The pot had about what my amount of chips in it, so he just bet. He bet the pot, and I called. Yep. It's honestly, it's I love talking to uh, professional veteran players at, when they've busted out of a tournament as recently as you have here, because there's a, a very uh, approachable sense of it's not even frustration. It's just like, ugh, oh well, that's poker, right? Um, let's start with that. You've played a lot of poker, Alan. How do you uh, how do you respond to moments like this when it just kind of it, it's the way it had to go? It seems. No, these things happen. I mean, uh, I got lucky yesterday. I, I had. Ace, 10, king, king in PLO against the other guy who had aces. And the flop came a 10 on the flop and a 10 on the turn. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does go both ways. But Yep. So, I cracked aces with kings yesterday. So, I mean, it's just, if you play enough of these things, like that particular hand, having the ace jack against the set of nines, the way it played out, there's no matter how it plays out, if I bet the flop on the on the flop, and he calls, or however it plays out, I'm going to go broke. So yep. that damage was just predetermined. So there, a lot of those things are just happen like that. And is that just a question of having put in the hours and and seeing the seeing it happen so many times that you kind of just become numb to the emotional highs and lows of that, or have you had some strategies over your playing career that have helped you get better at sort of dealing with those uh, circumstances? I mean, that you've seen. I've seen that particular you know scenario quite a bit, but I mean. You just have to get used to that. I mean, I play hundreds of tournaments in a year. So those particular kind of hands where it's like the money's going to get in no matter what, you just have to have to know that, if, you know, you're going to be on the right side of that so many times and on the wrong side of that so many times. But I've been on the wrong side of that quite a bit. Like when I flop the set and they have the flush draw, I've lost countless times like that in the last year. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I could talk your ear off. Uh, I'll let, tell our YouTube uh, uh, viewers if they have any questions for Alan, feel free to type them into the chat there. I see Dark Angels getting a head start on that. And of course, uh, the other members of the Reckon crew here, feel free to just unmute and we'll call on you. So, Alan, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you just mentioned like you play hundreds of tournaments a year. I think uh, our listeners probably know you as a, a live pro um, tournament player. Uh, how would you describe yourself if someone asked sort of what was your role in the poker industry these days? Uh, well, I, I, I travel, uh, see, I travel a lot and I play a lot, but the, uh, like I will support events that I like, like, uh, a $400 event at the Orleans mixed event with like a three or $4,000 first place. is not going to change my life in any way, but I will still support it because I like the fact they run those events. Hmm. So I played a, a whole series of those events like uh, a few weeks ago. I played, they had like 600s, 400s, Omaha, uh, Rose, Horse, whatever they had, I played because I like to support those type of events. Even though the money is not the thing, it's just the challenge of playing and being able to have a nice time and seeing all my friends there, that kind of thing. So it's not just playing to win the money. It's for me, it's. I'm, I already have enough money. I just, I, I play what I want to play. Like I wanted to come to Europe. It's expensive to come here. And it's, you know, it's a major commitment to come to Europe and play all these events. 
but I wanted to come. I wanted to run, you know, try for a bracelet. I came in second year one year in a bracelet. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I came, <laughs> came here. That's great. Well, it sounds like sounds like you're living the life then. I mean, that's that's the dream for a lot of our, our listeners. Also, so I travel I, around know, the world playing poker. I'm considered like uh, an expert, quote unquote, on structures and how things should be run. And some, you know, some tournament people respect my, my opinion. Other ones will just block me and not even talk to me. <laughs> so, no. So like. Like, you know, certain venues, if I go there and I suggest something like Thunder Valley, I'll give you as an example. If I talk to Ben Irwin there and I say, look, you, know, you should have more mixed games. And he says, well, tell me what four mixed games you want. And I tell him the four and we just had a series there and he ran the exact four games that I wanted and they were very successful. Or like South Point, for example, they were running a series this past summer and uh, they posted a structure and I said, you know, and I, I put on my Twitter, I said, this is ridiculous structure. No one's going to come here and play that. So then they challenged me. They say, well, you, we need a structure that is that has a lot of play that will take exactly 13 hours. So I wrote it up and they ran it. It ran 13 hours and it was very successful. So, you know, some play, you know, a lot of places will just scoff at whatever I say, but there's other places that actually listen to me. Like even Jack Ethel, if you Google Jack Ethel and my name, you'll see that uh, there was one year that they, modified the structures for the mixed games midway through the the series based on my suggestion which is mm. like unheard of ever yeah midway work. through the series yeah no kidding yeah. yes because so many people were complaining and and like they they reached out to everybody they said well what do you what what can we do to fix it and i i uh i i printed out something a way to fix it and whatever i printed i forget exactly what what i suggested but they went with it like verbatim basically so, you know, after playing for, you know, 20 years or so, you get to figure out, like, what's good and what's bad. Like, in general, skipping levels is bad. Short, short levels is bad. Things like that. And there's some places that do short levels and skip levels, which is mm. really, really bad. So anybody that does that, I rip them. So. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, and Al, I just kind of wanted to expand on that. Um, you know, for our listeners who are familiar with you, I think they know that you're kind of an advocate for for structures. And uh, if our listeners are, you know, first time kind of hearing from you, maybe they're not as familiar. And I'm curious what your advice would be for maybe a recreational player who's never thought about, you know, I just show up and play poker, like, and has never really thought about looking at a structure sheet and what's good and what's bad and what, what should I be looking for as a player when I'm entering into a field? You mentioned uh, a few things there, but I'm curious, what would you, what would be your advice to sort of a, a, a recreational player who's just starting to maybe think about what should I even be looking for in these things? Right, well, the, the main things you want to look for are the stack size of chips that you get, the how long the levels are, and the main important thing is that they skip any levels. So, what I mean by skip levels is let's say uh, you're playing two and 400 and there's a common thing lately where places go from two and 400 to three and 600, right? Because they don't have the, the, uh, the chips for two fifty five hundred. That's their explanation, but you can actually play 300, 500 or 200, whatever it is, you can fit the other level in, but by not having that extra level in there, the 200, 400, 
three, six, and then four, eight. What that means is in 30 minutes, the structure is completely double, which is unacceptable. I mean, so think of it this way. You've played two and 400. The level ends. Now you play 30 minutes of three and 600. And in 30 minutes, you've just gone from playing two and 400 to four and 800. So if ever the structure doubles in one level, you know there's something wrong. That's like one of the key mm. things you should always look for. And I find this all the time. Places like to skip the three five hundred level or the 2,500, 5,000 level are the, are the key ones they like to skip. But there's other ones they skip. Like you just have to look through it and see if anything's skipped. But also you need to get a reasonable amount of chips to start with. Uh, in mixed events, I have a thing called the 10-bet wall. That means what at what point do you have 10 times your your uh, your bet? So let's say you get 25,000 chips. That would be the level that you're playing, 1,200, 2,400. So in general, that should be several hours into the event. If it's, if it's less than like three or four hours into the event, then it's probably a very fast mixed structure. And you're probably not going to have much play because mixed structures, you have to have at least 10 bets. To, to main you know to maintain the structure so yeah I, I I think a lot of recreational players don't appreciate um the difference that a good structure can make to a tournament and is it what just is as yeah please yeah, well, no the good structure is going to give you more chance to you know to, to have a bad beat or to you know to make a play to make a check raise but I mean once the once the stack gets so shallow it becomes what they call a shove fest mm -hmm. and then there's no play like people will either go all in or they'll fold and that's not really poker that's just who you know making all in or fold decisions and like i criticize the wpt because they, they go to a 30 minute structure at their at their final tables playing for you know millions of dollars and uh i've seen the the, the limits in in wpt final tables get to like 12 big bets per person which you know, when you're playing for a prestigious title or something like that, it, it should never, like, there's no reason to press that to a 30-minute structure at that point. Like, let the people play. They've played for four or five days to get to that point. Why Why all of a sudden do you make it 30 minutes? That Things like that are what bothers me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and for the listeners that are a little less experienced with those kind of tables, um, it just means that if you've got a deeper, if you've got a deeper stack and a slower structure, you just have more opportunities to play poker you've got more chips behind you can you can raise on the turn you're not committing your whole stack on any street you mm. have it's you know available chips for all streets it's you know it's just a, you know i i think once people play you know a reasonable amount of tournaments they can they can tell right off the bat like uh i know are you guys from the minnesota area uh many of us are yeah yeah i know like the tournaments there, like the, the ones I played at, like Running Aces or MSBT at the uh, Canterbury, those yep. are very good structures. You get like, I don't know, twenty five or 30,000 chips, and they play all the levels. There's no skips. And if you look back, when I used to, uh, I used to go to a lot of those events, like 2014 or 15, I was... The, uh, the MSPTs were then called Chainsaw Approved, with quotes around Yeah, I remember, but, yeah. I actually wrote their structures and their numbers went from like being a, you know, just an also run uh, mid stakes tournament series to the number one series in like two or three years. They went uh, it, because they used this chainsaw proof thing 
And people actually said, wow, this is phenomenal. And it still finished whenever they wanted to finish. Like they wanted to finish, I think, in two days. And, uh, you know, it was terrific. I, you know, I like the running aces that, that I played there quite a few times. Canterbury Park, I only played a couple times. It was a little bit harder to get to. But uh, I think all of you probably have played those MSPTs, and you can you can agree that those are great structured tournaments. Yeah, John Somsky, you've got some experience in playing in those, don't you? Yeah, there are great tournaments around here. The The question I had, so you've been in the industry a while, and uh, I've been accused of playing poker longer than some of our listeners have been alive. <laughs> I was wondering if you could share how you got your uh, nickname, Chainsaw. Oh, uh, if you if you look back, uh, there was this radio show called uh, Poker Road Radio. Probably none of you have heard of it. It was uh, Gavin Smith was a commentator. He passed away since then. Yeah. Uh, Ali Najad and Barry Greenstein's son, Joe Seabach. It was a what they did was they had like a radio studio and they would travel around to major uh, tournament venues and they would do this radio show. It was very popular, actually called Poker Road Radio. That's where Ali Najad basically got his start doing broadcasting. And he was already doing like some of the commentary at that point. But uh, anyway, I was doing very well in that particular tournament at, at the uh, at the Foxwoods, and I made the final table. And uh, Gavin, uh, I was really good friends with Gavin. He, he used to always make fun of my style, like saying I was so tight and, uh, you know. <laughs> anyway. This chainsaw thing was like a, a joke, like the opposite. Like a chainsaw cuts through the players like a chain, you know, it cuts through the. So they were saying, calling me a chainsaw. And then uh, Ali Najad found the sound effect of a chainsaw. Uh. <laughs> they basically started saying, and here's another chainsaw update. And it was like, it kind of stuck after that. It started in 2007, 15 years Oh, that's great! It, it it remains one of the great uh, poker nicknames. I think people know uh, people know who you are when they hear it. Yeah, now now um, there's a thing called the uh, the Chainsaw Corner on uh, the Daniel Negreanu vlog, and literally in Europe, I, like nobody even knows who I am. But they like people come up to me three four times a day, and they say, "Aren't you the guy from the from the Negreanu vlog, the Chainsaw Corner?" I said, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of, they want to do a selfie, like. They, crazy <laughs> well you, you've got you're you're famous in the poker world alan so it was yeah, only a matter of time right yeah because what well, uh, you know that negrano vlog i think has hundreds of thousands of subscribers so if you're just bound to run into people that have seen you on that eventually good point i'm um, speaking of uh, which i think chris has a, a question from our youtube chat yeah actually so uh Dark Angel is asking a couple of questions on on YouTube uh, about your experience in the in the WSOP Europe. And um, speaking of Dean Eggs, is wondering uh, who do you think is going to run deeper, uh, you, Phil Helmuth, or Daniel Negreanu? As uh, she's heard, they're they're going over to play it uh, in the at, in Kings in the main event or in which event? Yeah, I guess in the main event. Um. Well, if you take those three, it rates to be Helmuth because Helmuth has just a phenomenal record in these in these big events. Yeah, so yeah. we probably take Helmuth. And but, then uh, I, I, I came back from a break today, and guess who was sitting at my table? Sean. Dean. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, uh, he was playing the mini main. He didn't last too long. He was playing very aggressively, but he came in at like uh, 
I think uh, 2,500 big blind with 40 blinds. And uh, I think he rebought. And then the other question is, what do, what do you think of the structure at, in the at the WSOP Europe and and the games? What do you think? Well, today, it's well, today we had a phenomenal structure. We got a hundred thousand chips with forty minute levels and no skips. Literally played every level. We started a little bit high. We started at three hundred big blind, but we played every single level: three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred, a thousand. No skips. So every two hours, basically, you're playing three levels. And then you have a break. It, it, it couldn't have been any better for for that. For it's basically like a thousand dollar buy in a slightly bigger buy in. But it, you know, like you, you'd never see this anywhere for with a hundred thousand chips, forty minute levels. I mean, that would, to me, that's phenomenal. Yeah, in fact, um, I, I was a little skeptical about just how big a difference um, good structures can make. But I played in the main event this year. I'm just going to mention it on every podcast I'm ever on because it's a bucket list item for me. Um, and I was just blown away at the different mentality that you can take when you have so long uh, to play, when you when you are deep stacked, when you can turn down kind of marginal spots and that kind of thing. Um, when you talk about like not skipping any of the levels or they play all the levels, is that for less experienced players? Where would they go to find out like what all the levels are? Like, like how, how do you know how do you know when someone's skipping a level and when they're not? Well, what's the what's the Bible for that? Basically, if you just start at the number two hundred, for, for example, one and two hundred, right? After that, there's every level. So you would say two, three, four, five, six. Obviously, there's no seven hundred level. Then you have eight hundred, a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, etc. So I mean. Once you get past that point, it's pretty straightforward. It would be like 2,000, uh, say 2,400, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 8,000. There's no sevens. Sevens because they're, they're hard to have? Uh, is yeah, that I mean, the... you, don't, you never would see like a 350, 700 level or whatever. Right. Now, three, six, but... four, eight, four, ten. Now, would you be in favor of us introducing a 350-700 level? Because it feels like yeah, why not just necessary. more levels are better. Like why not have why not have it's even not more levels? Necessary because uh, the, the 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 way the chips are formatted, you know, the, the chip stacks and everything. Right. The standard levels that everybody's used to are going to make it work out. So there's no reason. Like what I did suggest to Jack this past summer, which worked, is. Uh, the, the structures were a little bit too fast, and he had he had made the double levels earlier in the mixed game. So, like you'd be playing one and two hundred twice, and then two and four hundred twice. Uh. So, but the problem with that is that you had so many chips, like twenty five thousand chips in these mixed games, that by the time you got to like five hundred a thousand, nobody lost any chips because you played all these levels twice that didn't mean anything. So, my suggestion to him was, which he did that this year. Uh, start the double levels around four eight hundred or five hundred a thousand, and then you're playing twice as long on important levels and less time on the earlier levels. So that was a huge success this summer. Everybody hmm. liked it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it really is. Um, it sounds like you guys have kind of cracked the code on uh, what levels make the most sense, what chip stack makes the most sense, the amount of time it makes the most sense for uh, for each level to run, that kind of thing. You can basically um, figure it out because you can figure out where the like at the end, 
how many people, how many, like say there's nine people left, right? The average person is going to have around 20 or 30 blinds. So you can figure out how many chips are going to be at the final table and what level that's going to be. And now it's, it's just a, a math thing of how long do you want the want it to take to get to the final table. So you can you can you can back that's how I did the South Point one. They wanted to end it a certain 13 hours or whatever. So I said, well, how many chips are you starting with? And then you can figure out, well, how many chips are at the final table? How many blinds is how many big bets is that? And then you work right. your way backwards from that. Mine, I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy that that uh, peek behind the curtain into sort of the science of the levels. I think that's something that, uh, you know, a, a bunch of us recreational players, we get together for a $10 game at our buddy's place. And it's just 100, 200, and you double the blinds every 10 minutes, you know. Uh, and obviously, there's more of, a, of an art to that. Uh, so that's, that's, that's interesting to kind of hear some of the uh, some of the math broken out for that. So, um, Alan, you're known really well for uh, your opinions on levels and structures and how to sort of level the playing field, as it were. Uh, you also have a reputation for being kind of a thrifty person in the poker world. Uh, one of the questions in the chat here uh, from Donna says, hi, Alan, how's the food over there? And have you gotten anything comped yet? Oh, the, well, if if you're playing in these uh, in these bigger events, they give you a uh, a card, and the card opens the door. It's like a it's like you know how you go in the subway and there's like a uh, thing that's in the subway, like a, like and a turnstile kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Uh, anyway, it opens that, and you walk in. There's a buffet. I'm uh, I, actually I've been kind of lax on that, but tomorrow I'm going to start posting pictures of all the different food offerings here because it's actually amazing. They have a nice. their own pizza bakery. They have a, their own dessert, their own dessert like area. They have various entrees like chicken, a lot of pork, which I don't eat, uh, rice, potatoes, breads, all kinds of different breads, mm. fruit. They have a self-serve soda bar. They have it's it's just amazing here. So basically I don't need to be comped anything because you basically can just walk in this thing and just find even me who's really, really picky. Like today I had some breaded chicken. I had some, uh, they had boiled potatoes, uh, really nice. I had a couple slices of plain cheese pizza, had, you know, soda, obviously some beautiful desserts, really nice. No, so it sounds like they're taking care of you over there. And will they, do they have a rule against like putting stuff in your pockets and walking out with it? So you've got it for later or for tomorrow, or is that, uh, is that allowed? Yeah, no, I don't know. No I don't know what's to, like over there. No need to do that because you, ha you basically have this card that lets you in and out of the room at any time. So, Oh, you can go back in there as often as you want. Boy, they are treating you like VIPs. We don't get right, that kind of action over here. I'm, I'm not saying that everybody gets that because <laughs> I'm not sure what the, what, what events you have to be into. I've, but I know that ever since I've been coming here, I've been coming here like five years. I've always been able to walk in and out of there with no issue. So, but there I'm not going to do that for anyone else. So. <laughs> uh, I see but, some other comments in the chat here. Yeah, about, you see um, on my Twitter, uh, lately I've been getting these amazing food offers in Vegas. And I, yeah. randomly, I randomly invite people to like $300, $200, $400 dollar dinners at like just random restaurants. Like the other night, I took uh, people to this place that they... Uh, Green Valley Ranch Italian place. It was unbelievable. Like that was like a three hundred dollar thing with a. If you can find on my Twitter, there's a. We ordered this chocolate shoe for dessert, and the shoe mm. inside the shoe had cake, peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cake inside. Twenty dollars wow. for the dessert. But I mean, I do this all the time. Like I, sometimes two, three times a, a month. If I'm in Vegas, it might be more. So like <laughs> the other day, 
I went to uh, the M Resort to the steakhouse. I took like four people. So keep your eyes open for that because I offer these quite a bit. It's first come, first serve. There you go. I love it. I've seen it too, folks. He's not making it up. And I, I'm I'm frugal as well by nature. Um, right. I like to pin, I like that. to pinch pennies in the places that don't matter, so I can be generous and spend money in the places that I care about. Um, right. Which it sounds I, like you're similarly wired. Deep, I do spend a lot of money gambling, and when you gamble right. a lot, they give you a lot of free stuff. So good point. Good point. Well, um, some. I know some of our listeners are thinking about heading down to Las Vegas uh, for the World Series next summer. It might be their first time coming down. You're obviously very experienced in Las Vegas and uh, and in this kind of mindset that we're describing here. Can, do you have any tips for folks that might be coming down for the first time on how they can come down to Las Vegas on a shoestring? And uh, if they go home broke, it's because of what happened on the felt and not what happened off the felt? I would say my number one tip is you want to be off the strip. You want to go to places like South Point or the Orleans and play poker in those places because it's lower, lower buy-in tournaments. The player, the play quality is much, you know, like if you go to the Venetian or the Wynn, you're going to see the same group there all the time. Like I have very, very poor results there because you're playing with people that play there every day in these tournaments mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they're bigger buy-in tournaments and it's the same group over and, and it, they're all on their headphones. None of them are, are interacting with people or anything. It's just, it's like a business. But if you want to have fun and you want to get a good value, go to off the strip to places like South Point or the Orleans, and they have tournaments almost every day. That's my number one suggestion. Yeah, I see Rob Washam nodding his head back there. The one time that Rob and I got to meet up in Las Vegas, it was down at the Orleans. And uh, I know that's one of, one of his haunts. Um, so just kind of go to the, the places less traveled. Is that it, Alan? Right. Well, the, the problem with the strip is that the, uh, the, if you're going to gamble in those casinos, the, the hold on all the, the games is very, very, you know, on the slots is very, very tough. The, uh, all the rules on the strip, like just in general, in any blackjack game, like they'll have six to five blackjack instead of three to two, all kind of whatever it is to like mm. squeeze so you want to play off the strip and get a better value, like any station casino, any any Orleans, South Point, those types, M Resort. I really like those kind of casinos. Great. And um, uh, what about uh, some hotels or restaurants that uh, folks might want to give a tr give a try to save a few pennies and still have a great time? Uh, if you see on my on my uh, Twitter about a week ago, I posted a menu from this. Um, it's called the Marinelli's Pasta Bar. It's a gourmet Italian restaurant in, uh, at the M Resort. And the average entree is only like $15. It's an amazing deal. Like I brought, I, I think I fed like four people on a $100 comp there. <laughs> nice. Quality. Like the one person ordered oxtail. One person ordered like a uh, some kind of a chicken uh, Alfredo pasta thing. <laughs> and it's, it's an amazing it, you can look on my Twitter. Actually, I got a like on it today from the actual M Resort, which I've never gotten that before on my post. There the you go. Gave me a like. <laughs> and if folks are wondering, it's at Alan Kessler. Uh, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. But Alan's a really fun follow on Twitter. Um, Dark Angel says uh, that she follows him on Twitter. That's why she's asking about the food. Um, we've got a comment from uh, Benjamin Enslow here in the chat. 
asking, how far is off the strip? Like a cab ride away or just to get an idea to just, just walk, pick a direction and walk in it? Or is there a rule of thumb for that? Well, you couldn't walk. If you're on the strip, you can't walk to off the strip. But okay. Like, but picture like the, um, the Mandalay Bay is the last casino on the strip. And then there's several miles to get to like South Point. And right next to South Point is the M Resort. But then there's other places off the strip, like if you're at the, uh, say you're at the MGM Grand and you go down Tropicana, like two or three miles, that's where you can find the um, the Orleans. Right. Or if you're at the, um, the Palms just reopened, which is very, very nice. I went there, I got sticker shocked because their buffet was $60 the other night. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, also, like the Gold Coast, that's another like locals place. Yeah, but that used to be right next to the Rio, but that's not on the Strip, so you're gonna get a much better deal at those type places. But none of those are walking distance. Right. Uh, we've got another comment here. That place in Miracle Mile is good, but I can't remember what it's called. That's one to uh, circle, oh, I guess, yeah, as yeah. well. I think it's called. Um, I can't remember the name of it either. But they have like uh, you can buy anything on the menu for like between five and ten dollars. Any on hello all right sign sign me up <laughs> I, you can google it some but I, you know people said it was going to be awful and then uh i posted about that last year during the world series at the uh at bally's and people actually went i didn't i never actually found it but other people went to it and they said it was phenomenal so hmm. there you go for the further uh, price yes yes of course of course um, we got one comment here from uh, someone who's writing in from California, it looks like. He wants to know your opinion of the small blind ante. So in this case, he's seen more of this happening where the big blind still posts the ante, but the ante, instead of being one big blind, is one uh, small blind instead. Is that I something actually, that you would recommend for certain steps or certain levels, or are you for it or against it? Or talk a little bit about that. Um my suggestion would be this: if, uh, if if your tournament is breaking down and there's six players or less at the table, or at any six max event, I would like the small blind ante. I, mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just it's too big because, like, what the uh, at the end of that Bellagio uh, five diamond, they they had twenty eight blinds in play of with two people. That's fourteen big blinds a person. But the the big blind is posting an extra whole blind for no reason. Right. Yep. So basically, there there's three blinds in the pot, and there's only 28 blinds in the in the total tournament. And right. once that level's done, there's going to be even less than that. So I agree with that. Anytime, like especially getting down from like 27, the last three tables to the end, uh, you're going to be short quite a bit. In those situations, they should just. I, I like the small blind as part of the ante. Or there was a thing that I developed for the MSPT. I, I'm not sure if they're still using it or not. But uh, at 27 players, they revert back to original Annie's because it's so it's going to be short so often between 27 ah. down. So they 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 got a really good review on that. I, I I'm not sure if they're still using that, but they did use it for I think around one or two years. They've been using that, but I'm not 100 percent sure if they're still using it. No, I like but that idea. Standard Annie's that way. Let's say it's um, five and ten thousand. Instead of paying five and ten thousand and ten thousand again, you're paying one thousand each person, mm -hmm. and five and ten thousand. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I what think you- that you, that the notion of really doing it when you get shorthanded that makes a lot of sense, and when tables are starting to consolidate, because yeah. uh, it does yeah. feel like but in the, oh, in the earlier stages when it's like eight nine handed full full ring, the the big blind ante is perfect. But later on, mm-hmm. when it gets in the and that's where all the money money is being decided. That's when you need to go to the, the small blind ante. But uh, Matt Savage is like a big proponent of, of big blind ante, no matter how many people are left. And he basically has what I call puppets that will do whatever he says. <laughs> these puppet venues uh, will, will agree to whatever. Like, they're never going to be – like, if he decided tomorrow that the small blind ante was correct, all of a sudden these puppet places would agree, yes, you know what? Small blind ante might be the way to go, but as long as what he says is the big blind ante, no matter how many players are left, those particular places are never going to change. Well, it makes, I don't want to particular venues, but I, it's pretty easy to know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, well, listen, you uh, you you shoot from the hip, Alan. You know, people don't have to wonder where they stand because uh, you you tell it like you see it. I think I think people do appreciate that, especially in a meritocracy like the world of poker. Um, yeah, people think I give Matt Savage a hard time, but there's a lot of stuff that he does that just goes like that just people blindly agree with. It doesn't even make sense. Like that, that big blind anything like shorthanded. It's never made sense to me. Or he, another one where he says that the ante comes first. And what happens right. is you know, if you're short and you have to post the ante first in the big blind, you have to win three hands in a row just to get back to just to get back your own chips. Like the World Series said, forget it. We're never doing that. And they they went against the TDA rule of the ante first because they said it was so ridiculously stupid. Like they want people to have a chance to get to win, right? That anyway, makes they, a lot of sense. Yeah, but there's many many things like that that he does that people say I pick on him and that I don't I like that. I, you know, just because he says it, I disagree. That's not it. If if something doesn't make sense to me, I don't care who says it. I just you know I, you're not going to convince me otherwise. So. Well, you've got some uh, you've got some fans in the chat here. I know it's uh, getting quite late over there. I appreciate you coming I, I have, on this I have late. Time to... in the world, I, I like answering questions. I'm surprised oh, I haven't okay. asked about, about slot machines yet because I, I I post a lot of slot machine pictures. Well, maybe maybe Rob has some questions about slot machines. I know uh, he's got a family uh, a family member who's very involved in some tournaments and that kind of thing. I'm more interested in video poker. Mm. Um, and I noticed, I noticed that, you know, I like to play, uh, double, double bonus poker. Um, I noticed that the pay charts on those are going really, really bad. You're getting a lot of seven fives and six fours out there, which are just driving me crazy. Where do you play video poker? Uh, again, I play off strip, but, um, the thing is, video poker is like a it's like a solved thing. So the casino is not going to give you the, the best pay table because the best pay table is close to 100% return. So like, for example, double-double bonus, that game is like a 98-point-something percent return. That's with the best pay table. And that's if you play it perfectly, which it's very, very difficult to play double-double bonus perfectly because there's times you just hold an ace. When you think you would hold like ace king or or whatever, and there's times you hold the ace king. It depends what the exact makeup of the five cards are, and it's very hard to play video. If you're playing video poker perfectly, and double double bonus, you're still not. They're still going to have an edge over you. So they might as. It, there's no reason to try to 
you know, give you such a bad pay table. But if you hunt around at the uh, off off strip places, you'll find like nine six. They call it nine six double double, which is like ninety eight point something percent. You'll find that everywhere. Yeah. So can, advice, can you guys, advice? <laughs> yeah, can you guys just tell some of our less experienced uh, listeners or, or folks who don't uh, who don't play those kind of games as often? You're taking a different strategy when you're playing video poker than when you're playing poker poker. Is it just is it about maximizing rewards programs or something like that? You're trying to uh, get hands that are on the pay table. So like four aces with a kicker is is a very good hand for like two thousand credits. So in some scenarios, you would just hold an ace, even though it seems crazy, you might get three more aces and a kicker. But like if you hold ace, queen, jack, that's lower EV expected value than just holding the mm. ace mm-hmm. or things like I'm not giving that as an example, but no, no, like so it's less about actually uh, uh, making a hand that beats another player. It's more about just making strong hands and getting paid for making strong hands. What, what cards you were dealt and drawing to those cards. So it's not actually intuitive. Like there's some scenarios where mm-hmm. like seven, eight, nine, ten is better than a, t- uh, a pair of tens. Like you have seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. On some games you would hold seven, eight, nine, ten. On other games you would hold the two tens. So it's not intuitive at all. You have to really, really be into it and know all the strategies. And most, I'd say 95 to like 98% of the people playing video poker do not know exactly what to hold on every scenario. So the casino is printing printing money. And how do you find that out? Like, how do you study the strategy to play video poker? What's the material that you use for that? They have different websites and things where you can practice hands and, uh, there's like charts that you can look at that show you what cards to hold and stuff. But I, I basically don't play much video poker anymore. I play, I like to play mostly swaps. So. Yeah. We've got a question here in the chat actually uh, from dark angel again, what's your favorite slot machine or machines? Uh, currently I like this one. It's uh, there's, variations of the buffalo you know where they say i've buffalo. heard buffalo everywhere people keep talking buffalo buffalo what is go- what is this buffalo mania what does it even mean what's so great about it uh, when you get when you get the uh the, the whole object of the buffalo game is to get these uh like six of these numbers in the in the boxes and then you go to this bonus game and now you have to fill like a whole screen of boxes and it's usually fake but I've actually filled the whole screen twice. One time I got nineteen thousand dollars for it. One time I got fifteen thousand for it. So it does happen, but it's very, very rare. That's called <laughs> the grand jackpot. All right. That's like, it's like the uh, the carrot. Everybody's chasing the carrot. But I, it's a, it's such a tempting game because it has the sound effects. Everything about it is just it's addicting. Like everywhere I go, that's you can't even get a seat on those games. The Buffalo game. That's like by far my favorite slot machine. Wow. Okay. There you go. It sounds like Donna agrees. Um, and is there is there a skill edge in in these kind of games? Is it more complicated than just showing up and putting your coin in and uh, pulling the lever? Well, some of the some of the games have a tiny like bonus to them. Like uh, there's one called uh, Buffalo Diamond Tenth Anniversary, where they tell you how many free games you're playing for. So obviously, if the free games are higher than than uh, are higher on 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 one machine than another machine. You might as well play the one that has the higher number of free games. But I other see. than that, they're mostly luck. Hmm. But 
And, and do you do you play any other uh, games in the casino other than uh, slots and poker and the occasional dabbling into video poker? Video poker. Uh, I also i I like. There's a uh, a game called Ultimate Texas Hold'em. I'm, uh, I I really enjoy that game because you get to uh, you make decisions on every street. It's like it's like playing Hold'em against the house. Yeah, and you can you can bet four x before the flop. Two uh, x on the flop, and then one x on the turn uh, on the turn river. So, like, basically, if you have an ace, you should always bet four x. And like, I'm sitting at the table, and somebody will have ace king, and they will never raise their hand. And like, a lot of times, they just miss the whole board and they fold. But that, that's such a huge mistake because ace king wins a lot. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't it, know. It, mo- that game maybe they, also, just, maybe they feel like it's a drawing hand. Yeah, that game is also counterintuitive. Like, there's there's hands like king five suited that you're supposed to four x, and you have to really have the nerve to do it because, mm. like, whenever you do it, you just lose every time. Yep, yep. Now that sounds a lot like real poker. Yeah, <laughs> but it's protected. <laughs> hold them. If anybody, I know quite a few people that are that are hooked on that game, but that's like my favorite table game. And also, I like this game called Open Face Pie Gal, where. Uh, it's pie gal poker, but you see the dealer's hand before you set your hand. Hmm. Well, you're definitely striking a chord. Uh, some folks in the chat uh, are also fans of the Buffalo game. And I think that Ultimate Hold'em one is getting more popular uh, out here in Halifax as well, uh, says Ben. Um, I think you and Rob might have to get together uh, in Vegas sometime soon, because as you keep talking, Rob just keeps nodding. He, he, he's he's a he, you guys are reading each other's mail. I think you'd probably be able to uh, enjoy each other's company in, in Las Vegas a bit. No, uh, it, it just means I spend way I spend way too much time in casinos. That's my problem. <laughs> Is that a problem? <laughs> Does Rob live in Vegas or not? No, I live in Bullhead City, just across the river from Laughlin. Oh, that's a little bit far. Yeah, so yeah. but I I get up to Vegas once a month or so anyway. So all right, well, if you ever see my post on the on the Twitter for the free dinner, you have an open invite. Yeah, I'll have, have to I'll have to see if I can get there. Yes, there you go. Nice. And yeah, when coming down from Minnesota, uh, Laughlin's just off the strip as far as we're concerned. That counts as just being off the strip. That's uh, that's that's so close. It feels closer from here. <laughs> um, well, this is uh, this is great. Um, I, I'll tell folks uh, we're going to wind this up here shortly. If they have any more questions, they can type them into the YouTube chat there. Um, Alan, what's what's one thing that you so you've been playing for a long time? You've had all sorts of success. You've seen it all. Um, what is one thing about playing poker that you that makes you gleeful? What's one like fun thing about playing poker that still makes you smile after all these uh, years doing it? Uh- to be honest, I like when people actually stop me and, and they recognize me and they say, you know, uh, you helped me with something like years ago and I wanted to thank you for it. Or just people that say, you know, I enjoy watching you on the on the vlogs or I enjoy your Twitter or I just I, I'm thrilled to meet you, that kind of thing. I, that's like that's like the best part of my day. Usually I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. That's great. And what's um, last last question before we let you go? I know it's awfully late all the way halfway around the world over there. Um What's one thing that uh, people coming to Las Vegas for the first time absolutely must do or try uh, that doesn't have anything to do with poker or gambling at all? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, oh, you know what? The uh, the Fremont Street experience where they have mm. the, 
the show in the sky thing, you have to see it at least once, but after that, it's kind of ridiculous. But And there's also some, uh, there's this thing at the top of Stratosphere, which I'm way afraid of doing, but you like, you can uh, you can go on like this wire and f- like float above the casinos on this wire, but I would never, ever do it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even sure what it's called, but people know what I'm talking about. Oh, cool. Yeah, the Fremont, the Fremont Street experience is great. In fact, uh, Rob and I and Roger Schutte and uh, Mrs. Blasterini all went down there uh, when I was down in Vegas a couple of years ago and had a great time. Saw a concert, um, get to see those zipline people going crazy down there and all that it is an easy place to have fun um are, are, is that home for you all the time or when you're not traveling and playing poker alan you're you're in las vegas yeah but i have a i have a thing where i only travel to places that i where i have other things to do like i like to go to places like cherokee where if i bust they have a whole casino there with slot machines. They have video poker. They have ultimate hold them, whatever. But like, if if you have a thing like Jacksonville best bet, forget it. I'm never going to go there because if I bust, there's nothing for me to do there. It's in, You're in Jacksonville. Yeah. Right. And it's just another, I'm going to bust and then play, like, I'm not going to play no limit hold them cash. So I would never go to a place like that. Like, I only go where I have other, like Hard Rock Hollywood is perfect because I can go in the casino there. I can go. There's 20 casinos in Florida right near Hard Rock Hollywood. I want to go to another casino. But there's certain places where I just won't go no matter what. Like playground poker is another one. Okay. So actually, I have two questions for you then. So uh, the first one is why not No Limit Hold'em Cash? You just don't like the the format? You're just not a cash player? It doesn't appeal to you? No. I Well, I've always played mixed cash. And uh, I haven't really played much fixed cash lately because uh, it's gone to this carnival game theory, which I, I don't know if you know what carnival games are, but they're not real poker games. Like it'll be mm. drama hall, two to seven, two boards, all this crazy, <laughs> ridiculous stuff. So I'm very, very picky. But whenever I play uh, mixed cash, it has to be limit mixed and it has to be games that like real games like stud, stud eight, Raz triple draw, whatever, any limit game. And my record, like the other day, uh, the last time I played cash, which was probably months ago from now, but anyway, somebody said, well, when was the last time you lost in a cash game? And I literally couldn't remember because I'm so picky on the games that I'll play (laughs) that I never, ever lose in 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 a mixed limit cash game because it's the games that I specialize at. And like... If if I pick the you know the field of players and I pick the exact games that I want, it's very very hard for me to lose. So I, I literally can't remember the last time I lost in a cash game. But I people ask me this, and I've never ever played a hand of no limit cash. <laughs> well, that sounds like really good advice, folks. I mean, game selection, right? We talk about this all yeah. the time. How important is game selection? The thing you is, know, if, you if, can if you know if you know the mixed games like. If you know Raz and High Low Stud and Triple Draw, and other people don't know the games as well as you, you have a big edge. But let's say you walk up to a no limit table, and other people have much more experience than you, you still have a very good chance to win. You can, you, you know, you know, you know when you have a good hand, whatever. I mean, it's no limit. You can still win, but in no in limit mixed games, you cannot win as a just walking into the game. It's a, it's almost almost impossible. 
Um, if, if I asked you to play, uh, I don't know if you've ever played triple draw, right? But if you just sat down in a triple draw game with people that are, that are really good at triple draw, you're not going to have a chance. But even even like the average person sitting at a no limit game, they have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we talk. We're we're trying to get some of our uh, listeners, some of our members, a little more interested in mixed games because people talk about how much more fun it is. It's kind of uh, stretches the brain a little. Uh, it's harder to solve. So maybe there's some future of poker in that. Um, did you play in Robbie Straczynski's uh, cash game festival, the mixed game festival down in, uh, uh, where was it this year? I don't remember. I know he's trying to yeah, do it every year now. But I ripped him on that because every time he does it, like he did it during the World Series against mixed events at the World Series, which is completely, like I said, do it a week before the World Series. Mm. Like, and, but I did play with him in uh, in Choctaw. We had like a 10-20 mix. Uh, with with games that I liked, and I obviously I won in that game, and he actually played pretty well. I thought. Nice. We had, it plays it at the Westgate now. Would the Westgate be considered off the strip? Hundred percent. Yeah, that, I actually like that casino. It's easy to get in and out, and uh, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know if their poker room is is really really small. Maybe like eight tables, and you're not going to uh, like if I would never play a mixed game there. They're not, what, the highest they're going to play is like four and eight dollars. The problem with mixed games for me is the games that I like, like the actual limit mixed games, like horse or whatever, or whatever, uh, stud eight or Omaha eight. Like the biggest Omaha eight game that I know of is eight dollars, sixteen dollars at the Orleans, and that those stakes are going to grind you out on the rake, and mm. it's, it's there's not it has to be meaningful money. I know people say, well, that's being uh, obnoxious or whatever but the, the money has to be meaningful like to like you have to for me to put in 16 dollars i i want to be able like it has to be like 160 dollars or whatever 8160 or 4080 or something reasonable that it's going to make me play the right way otherwise like four and eight dollar eight dollar sixteen dollar whatever it's not gonna i'm just not gonna have a good time because i'm gonna want to play too many hands i'm not gonna play my best hmm. it's not gonna work well i know um we're going to uh, I'm going to give the folks in our chat uh, here on YouTube a chance to type the words food bank into the chat here. We'll do our draw as soon as we let Alan go. Um, Alan, I'll encourage our folks again to uh, follow you on Twitter at Alan Kessler. Is there anywhere else that people should reach out if they want to get uh, in touch or if they want to learn more about you or uh, what you're getting up to? Um, well, my Facebook is sold out, so. They, I think you can follow me on Facebook without actually being a friend. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Okay. It's like I have quite a few of those. But the actual friend thing caps at 5,000. And that every so often one space opens and then somebody takes that space. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. But there's a way to follow on Facebook without actually being a friend. So you could do that if you want. All right. And otherwise, like I say, check him out at Alan Kessler on Twitter. Well, Alan, this is great. Um, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit. Are there any um, more YouTube questions or no? That's it? Uh, let me see. Well, there's some people saying that uh, they'd like to join you for some mixed games. Uh, there's some people saying that they've got the Buffalo music in their head now and they can see the stampede across the screen. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, no, we we I think you answered all the actual questions here. Uh, oh, we got one more. Um so when you're over there, what percentage are you tipping? Uh, 
the, the tipping here is weird because like I've been sitting at, at in this uh in the buffet area where it's basically all you help yourself. There's no service even of drinks. It's all everything is help help yourself. So I watch and nobody ever leaves a tip. I think that's a Europe thing though. So yeah, yeah, me too. What the deal is, but um I'm gonna look into that further because like I don't feel right, but the person all they're doing is removing your plates. They're not really doing anything else. So I'm not sure it's like it's like you're tipping the busboy at a restaurant. I'm not sure if that what the protocol is, to be honest with you. But yeah, I know it is different over there where they actually pay a living wage. Um the tipping is, is culture is less prevalent. Like I've been I've been posting my bills from these restaurants in, in Vegas, like uh, between two and four hundred dollar bills. And no matter what I leave, people I call it tip shaming. <laughs> The other day we had like a, uh, it was like a uh, 200 and some dollar bill. We left like 30 or, 30 or $40 and people were saying, well, you didn't leave enough. I said, why not? They said, because it was a comp, you have to leave more. I said, but that's not how it works. But like if, if somebody takes care of you and you leave $40 for one dinner, I think that's plenty. Well, the the final comment here in the YouTube chat is from uh, Dark Angel again saying, good luck, Alan. Uh, we'll be she'll be modding on the King stream, uh, so we'll be on the rail there. People are going to be looking forward to uh, following some more of your action before you uh, pack it up and bring it back back to the U.S. of A. How long are you staying, and are you how many other events are you playing in before we let I'm you go? Playing every day until the uh, until the fifteenth of November. Amazing, amazing. Oh, so you got a people, couple of weeks. People want to get. Uh, I almost forgot this. I can do a plug for this. Hold on. If people want to get action on my. You can buy as little as like five dollars worth of action on any of my events. Very low markup on Stake Kings. You just uh, it, the link is on my Twitter, or you just go to Stake Kings and it has you select a player and select my name. You'll see what it like. Right now they have me uh, listed for two thousand dollar PLO tomorrow, which I came in second a few years back. I was heads up for the bracelet with a chip lead and I blew it. Mm. And, uh, the next day is another one of these mini mains the last flight of that. So there's some, there's some shares available in those on stake Kings. S T A E Kings. Yeah. Stakekings.com. Go check that out. And like he says, the link is on his Twitter as well. And if you've been listening, you know, he's going to make some very judicious investments when it comes to this kind of stuff. He's picking the games wisely. He's, he's not going to play too many hands. It sounds like he's, uh, sounds like he's a good investment. If you're looking to uh, get a sweat, in yeah, one of these tournaments over there. I have over $4 million in cash this lifetime. Well, quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and you didn't get rich by writing a lot of checks. Here's what I'm telling you. This is, yeah, it's like a guy that knows the value of a dollar. So uh, get, get involved over there. <laughs> well, thanks, Alan. This has been a pleasure. Uh, I think uh, we'll have you on another time. Hopefully, maybe when we get closer to WSOP. We can talk yeah, about some specific other, plans. There's kind of a, a lot of other topics we can discuss. So if, you, if people want to send you questions, uh, there's all kinds of things to talk about. But whatever comes up is fine. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on the show. I think uh, I'll put out a, a tweet a little earlier in the process to see if we can get some good questions uh, for folks that want to uh, folks want to hear more from Alan Kessler. Uh, but in the meantime, you, like I say, at Alan Kessler on Twitter. And uh, we'll have that in the show notes here. And if people want to find out more about um, the podcast and how we get involved with uh, great guests like this, you can just go to rec.poker and get a free community account right now. You can um, put a so link that, to my stake kings on your thing. That would be great. 
Yeah, sure. I'll just make a note about that and we'll add that to the uh I think it's like chainsaw.com slash chainsaw, but I'm not sure of the exact syntax. It's on my Twitter though. All right. Well, people will know where to find it. Um, well, thank you again, Alan. We're going to just uh, move move into the home game results portion of the show here. You're welcome to stick around, but I know it's uh, uh, almost yeah, 2 a.m. over there. The and... There's a lot of tournaments coming up tomorrow. Yeah, go go kick some butt uh, all over the place tomorrow, and we'll be here next time we have a chance to have you on. Thanks again, Alan. This was a pleasure. No thank you. All right. Well, there you go. The one and only. Um, it was fun to get Alan on the show. We've been talking about doing this for a while. He's got a gr- some great insights into the poker world. I love talking to him about structures and levels and how to uh, how to make the game a more level playing field where everyone can have a good time. And uh, it doesn't feel just like a shove fest right off the bat. Um, so we've got a few people typing food bank into the uh, chat here. So I will take a die here we're going to start with ben and uh donna and dave we've only got three folks that want to win a free month at rec.poker this week so we're going to use a six-sided die this one here i'm going to put the one up but just so people can see there are other numbers on the die uh so if it's a one or two that's you ben if it's a three or a four that's donna if it's a five or a six that's dave let's see what we got a six. Oh my God. They, see, we were really screwed there because we were either going to roll a one or evil Roy Slade was going to win another rec poker prize. So um, I think Dave's already like maxed out the coaching credits available through this program. But uh, Dave, send me an email anyway. You know the drill, Jim at rec.poker. Let me know you won uh, the draw and we'll make sure that we take care of you in some way. Um in the meantime, John Somsky, there were some home games played this week. And I know in our fun country, OPA, on Thursday night, speaking of being able to, take, to get taken care of, uh, that's free to play for all our premium members. It's uh, nine players sit and go uh, on the fun country poker platform, which is a lot of fun. And uh, the winner gets $25. This past week, the winner was Jim Gibson. We call him the real Jim. And uh, he got to claim a $25 Amazon gift card compliments of fun country poker so uh, congratulations jim and thanks to fun country for that uh john what's going on with the rest of our home games well you know before we start the home game thing i'm going to interrupt myself here <clears throat> and i'm just wondering <laughs> what the canadian tax laws are like is mm. evil roy going to need to claim his rec poker membership as a secondary job now that's a great question john i happen to know uh that uh gambling winnings up here unless you are registered as a pro they count as windfalls and therefore they are not taxed so he's going to get to keep 100% of his winnings um if he is a but he doesn't get to write off his losses unless he claims himself as a pro and i think there's a bunch of red tape around that too so um i don't know if that specifically answers your question but we are living in the land of the free where you get to just keep whatever you win which is a wonderful thing all right I am very happy for Roy. <laughs> yeah, how can you All not right. be? <laughs> uh, so, on October 24th, MN Ted, Phil Fuhrer, got his oh. fifth nightly victory for the year. On the 25th, Poker Geek MN, John Somsky, got his eighth. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Congratulations. Nice. Well, thank you. Isma got his fifth nightly victory. Rolls off the back. Just, yep, just like doesn't even bother at all anymore. Yep. Ship and Flick Wreck 
Luke O'Driscoll got his first nightly victory for the year. That's a that's a new name. What's say that again? Ship and flick wreck. Yeah, that that was that. And you practice that one and flip wreck. No, I actually just (laughs) rolled right off my tongue. (laughs) You've just gotten a lot better at this over the years. Karma 96, Kim Leppa got her first nightly oh. victory for the year. And right Keck Geek 65 got hey. his nightly victory for the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Uncle mm-hmm. Tom's Cabin won the daily mixed event. And speak of the devil, Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld got his seventh international wow. victory for the year. He's on fire. And East Coast bitter Ben Enslow got his hey. fifth international victory for the year he loves those international you join you join the chat and you're just gonna win i mean you're just yeah good point like represent chat man represent chat let's go yeah a lot of these a lot of these nightly tournaments have like 50 to 70 runners in them the fact that the people showing up in the chat here uh uh keep being the winners is because the more involved you get the better at poker you get the better your run good it's just it's a recipe for success join the chat folks win a prize Exactly. Or actually, the more involved you get with rec poker, the better you're going to be. Whether it's, it's be in chat, in the forums, however you do it, it's good for you. In fact, I've even got, I'm going to tease something. We uh, Speaking of getting more involved with rec poker, uh, one of the people that we just mentioned in the winner circle is actually getting more involved with rec poker. And it's uh, we don't have anything that we can share right now live on the air, but... Uh, you're going to learn a little bit more about uh, some of these members over the next little while. I'm pretty excited to be sharing that when the time comes. Yeah, Chris doesn't know. No, you guys don't even know. You're, everyone's what, completely what is in the this? dark. You're just no, going just... to drop this little tease and then just, just walk away. I, I wasn't even going to say anything about it. But the fact is, it's just oh, it's all coming together. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the future holds for uh, this other member that we're discussing right here. Well, coroner Joshua Campbell won the LPP event second for the year and nice. he can contact jim at rec.poker for his free month at learn pro poker yeah he's not going to want to miss that uh josh you know if you win the sunday night tournament again it's free to enter uh and the winner gets a free month at learn pro poker which is usually 40 or 50 bucks so that's a heck of a deal you send me that email josh jim at rec.poker and we'll get you hooked up with your prize um so, yeah, a couple of things just while we're sort of wrapping things up here. I know we're going to go record our for, uh, forums edition of the podcast shortly, and I hope all the premium members that are here in the chat are, are interested to come join us in that. That's always a fun time, and it's a great way to get more involved and to uh, uh, share your insight with the rest of the uh, the rest of the panel here. Um, and if you're interested in getting more involved, I would say uh, the first thing that we're doing that I would advise people to try out would be our online plan hangs. As every Tuesday night we get together, our premium members hang out in a Zoom call while we're playing in the nightly home game. Uh, we usually get some fun uh, guests coming in from time to time. Uh, Kevin Mathers or Kev Math is a, a regular fixture there when he's not off kicking butt in Malta himself. Um, that's a great way to do it. And on the uh fourth tuesday of every month we actually open it up to our community members so you don't have to be a premium member you just have to have a free community account at rec.poker head on over there all it takes is an email address and a smile and you can join the rest of the group here on tuesday november 22nd will be the next community opa Uh, but that's a lot of fun and I, i encourage people to go and check that out and just uh say hi you don't even have to share your screen if you don't want to i (laughs) <laughs> when I first joined Rec Poker as a premium member, it feels like many years ago, 
Uh, it took me quite a while to turn the camera on on my computer. I was just one of those people lurking in the chat and, uh, you know, typing my answers and questions in. Um, I didn't want people to know too much about me because I was a lurker and a kind of a private person. But um, that's just the the effect that Rec Poker and the people here can have. I feel less private every day. <laughs> <laughs> But in a good way, right? Yeah. In a, definitely in a good way. No, okay. I feel like uh, I feel like not exposed, ball. just uh, less private. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. No, I wasn't like winking or anything when I said yeah. that. No, yeah. that's true. We should clarify for our audio listeners. Um, yeah. So if, I guess uh, Rob, we've got some new news in the book club. Uh, we're finishing up with uh, Dara and Barry's uh, End Game, and we're starting with a new one from one of our old favorites. Why don't I let you tease that a little more? Yeah, we've. Uh... The results of the Twitter polls are all in, and the winner, winning book is The Poker Brain by Matt Matros. Mm-hmm. So I haven't read it yet, but from what I understand, it is a way of using GTO to think about your poker decisions. Um, it's not, not taking GTO solves, but it's taking the GTO mentality and using it to exploit the uh, people that you are coming in contact with at the poker table. So I believe that's what it's about. So I'm looking forward to reading that because I think it's a good uh, second book after his first one, the game plan, which we did, Mm. which was kind of a a formulaic type of process that you could use if you were an inexperienced player and actually be effective playing poker. So now he's taking it to that next level where we can start taking advantage now and try to exploit our opponents. So looking forward to that one. And we'll start that on the 16th of November. Um, We will be having a book study this in two days and Wednesday. Um, Not sure what we're going to do yet. If we have the opportunity to have Barry or or Dara on the, on the uh, book study, we'll be asking them questions. If not, We'll just probably just kind of review the chapters of the book that we just finished um, and just have a, a general discussion about ICM. So, And it's never too late to get involved in that. Uh, we, of course, record each of the sessions of the book study that Rob runs every two weeks on the first and third Wednesday of every month. And so if you're a premium member, you can dig through the archives, uh, watch some previous series with different books. Or if you're listening out of uh, out of sync with live releases, and it's already past the point of November 16th. Worry not, friend. Uh, you can just go check out the archives, watch the previous sessions of this book, and join us anytime in real time. I guarantee you will have, uh, you'll get a lot more out of it for sharing with other people. So, like with a lot of things that we do here, it is actually easier and more fun and better if you do it together. So, um, uh, the only other comment I will have here is again, uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, Joe Coolis, who's a fantastic uh, premium member and a great guy here at Rec Poker. He's doing a, uh, a match, a donation match. So if anyone does over the course of the next week, if you donate to a food uh, bank in your area, all you have to do is Google food banks near me and you'll find an organization that can benefit from your time, money or non-perishable food items. Uh, he'll match that donation up to $100. So please do send me that screenshot. Let me know. I'll take care of that with Joe and make it all happen. So uh, without any further ado, I just got to thank um, our YouTube members here, uh, Donna, Ben, uh, let me see, John, Dave, 
Uh, I, there was a guy from California who I didn't recognize from earlier, but thank you for showing up. Uh, Martha wasn't here tonight, I know, uh, but she's got a really good reason for it. Anyone else that I missed there? Um, of course, the Wrecking Crew panel, John Tomsky, Rob Washam, and Chris Jones tonight. Uh, of course, Alan Kessler, uh, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Mark Pershawn from Website Amp, but mostly you, the listeners. You're the ones we do it for, so thanks for all your support, and we'll see you next week. I like Kim's. Yeah, that-